thank you for tuning in to a very special episode of Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today we recorded live from the Delray booth at San Diego Comic-Con, talking to the greatest Star Wars author of all time, Mr. Timothy Zahn. From his first interactions with Lucasfilm to his latest novel, Thrawn Alliances, out this Tuesday, we travel the course of his entire career and beyond. This is Talking Bay 94, Episode 11, Timothy Zahn. Welcome to Talking Bay 94. Uh, I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today is a very, very special episode. I'm trying not to freak out. We are actually back behind the Delray booth at San Diego Comic-Con live with the most important Star Wars author of all time, (laughs) Mr. Timothy Zahn. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. No problem. Glad to be here. This is really all because of our partnership with Bang Books, as well as fine folks at Random House and Delray for really helping put this together. Mr. Zahn will be appearing on his first stop of the Thrawn Alliances tour besides San Diego Comic-Con uh, tomorrow at Interrobang uh, in Dallas. And so we'll be there as well. And I already, I told Mr. Zahn already before the interview started that I have a big box of books and of uh, action figures and stuff already. I, I have for Sharpies the and plenty of ink cartridges for my pen, so bring it on. So, Mr. Zahn, before we dive into Star Wars, I first kind of want to talk about what inspired you to be a writer. I mentioned uh, you, you inspired me growing up. The, the Thrawn trilogy books especially were my favorite books, and, and that was kind of what inspired me to be a writer along with, I literally, it's like Zahn, Tolkien, and C.S. Lewis for me. And so, who were kind of your influences, and what made you want to be a professional writer? Well, I had a lot of influences. I read a lot of science fiction, a little bit of fantasy, but mostly SF. Uh, as I was growing up and I was on my way to to a doctorate in physics and then one night in uh, November of 1975 I watched a very bad TV show and I said I could write a better story than that so over the next two weeks I sat down in my spare time and wrote a story which wasn't very good but was a lot of fun so I kept it up as a hobby until uh, sold my first story in December of 78 decided thought about perhaps when I get my doctorate I would quit the stop doing physics for a year and uh, maybe write full-time see if I could make a go of it Uh, July of July of 79 sold my second story the day that uh, I found out my advisor had died of a heart attack the night before leaving me with a project that was never going to work there was a fatal flaw in it I worked with a new professor on a new project for a semester, discovered I couldn't write and do new physics at the same time, just not enough mental energy. So uh, December of 79, quit the department, started writing full time, and it seems to be working so far. So far, so, so good, far, right? Yeah. No, that's great. So your first start into Star Wars was the most seminal Star Wars novel or canon, right? Of the expanded universe really kicked off with the Thrawn Children, with Heir to the Empire. Um, kind of in that dark period. And what was kind of your involvement with Lucasfilm and how did you first get kind of plugged in to that group? It was originally a brainchild of Lou Aronica at Bantam Spectra. Uh, he thought that since Lucas wasn't doing anything more with Star Wars, that uh, Bantam would like to, to pick up a, the, the story with a three book uh, saga. Uh, Lucasfilm hemmed and hawed, I guess, for a while, decided they wanted to do this. The Bantam editors got together, made up a short list of authors who they thought could handle Star Wars. Yeah. The Lucasfilm people decided they liked my style, and I got a completely out of the blue phone wow. call in uh, November of 
that would have been uh, 89. Wow. Uh, with my agent saying they're going to do three more Star Wars books, uh, picking up after Return of the Jedi, and they're offering them to you. Uh, do you want to do the project? So people ask, how did I? How, what did I have to do to get them to take these books? Right. Nothing. I was. <laughs> some, just, uh, it was just handed to me on a platinum platter. That's so great. Were, you were obviously very familiar with the Star Wars universe. What was your relationship oh, yeah. with Star Wars kind of before that call? Uh, I got the, my first viewing was the second night it hit the theaters. Wow did probably 18, 19 viewings after that. Yeah. So uh, you were prepared. Oh, you were, yeah, you were very big, comfortable. Big with fan of, of all three movies. Of so, course. Yeah, no, I, and I had the the uh, LPs of the, the music, soundtrack yeah. music, which I would play as I wrote other things. Oh, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. I remember specifically one time or a couple of times sitting at my desk as I'm trying to break into writing with the soundtrack on and thinking to myself, if George Lucas can come out of essentially nowhere and become successful, maybe I can too. No idea any of this was ever going to be in the works. With Lucasfilm and defining that post-Return of the Jedi era to begin with, what was kind of that process? Did they have a, a plan in mind or were you able to kind of chart your own path? Basically, they said, what do you want to do? Yeah. Uh, I charted out what I wanted, how I thought. You take all the characters, the scenario at the end of Return of the Jedi, advance it five years and see what seems reasonable. Right. Um, there were a couple of little tweaks and a couple of semi-major tweaks they wanted, uh, but we caught all of the, that in the outline stage. There was not a lot of rewriting to do, and of course, lots of little things in the in the final manuscript. But basically, they said, "Okay, what what do you want to do?" And we'll tell you if there's something there we we don't like. Yeah. So yeah, I got to plot out that first first expansion into the the era where no one had been allowed to write before. Right. And with that expansion came now a very iconic character, Thrawn. What was that creation of the character and, and kind of what prompted that idea? Well, one of the my, my first decisions on writing new Star Wars was I wanted to write something that felt like Star Wars, but was not what George had already done. Right. So that means no Death Star, no super weapon, no Vader type, no Emperor type. Uh -huh. While I decided what kind of villain it could have, it occurred to me a more dangerous villain than Vader or even the Emperor is someone who can lead by loyalty. Because Vader rules by fear, the Emperor rules by manipulation. No one's really loyal to them. They're all looking out for their own uh, self-interest if they work for the Empire. But Thrawn can inspire loyalty. Yeah. And that is something that is going to be dangerous for our good guys. Because the, the troops will fight as hard as they can for him, whether he's in the room or not. So, okay, what kind of person will the, the uh, troops be loyal to? has to be tactical and strategic genius so that they know they're going to probably win the whatever battle they're thrown into, care enough about the troops not to waste them, knows enough not to get emotionally involved, it looks like I'm losing, pull everybody out, pick another time and place of my choosing, uh, things of that sort. And then finally, since the Emperor didn't seem to like non-humans non in their upper echelon, uh, make him a non-human because if he can become a Grand Admiral he must be something very special. The longevity of the character I mean like really just the amount of books it's been and, and the amount of time and now the introduction back into canon what has that really meant to you and kind of how has Thrawn evolved through those? It's um, been very exciting that the character has lasted 
as long as he have. I mean, you, you always hope you, the characters you write are going to capture the public interest, but there's no way of knowing. It's a lightning in the bottle thing. You do the best you can, create the best characters you can, and then it's up to the readers. Right. Thrawn happened to, to capture that the, the imagination, the interest, and has been going on in, in, in the, in the reader, reading public and now the viewing public for over a quarter of a century. And it's just, it's very rewarding, it's very uh, satisfying. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's been a great ride. I mean, I can't really think of too many strictly like novel-based characters that have action figures and statues and mini busts and Legos, right? Like it is and, really and kind there of... There were some of that even before he yeah. was brought into canon in Star Wars Rebels. Right. So yeah, I mean now the explosion, he's in fantasy flight games, he's yeah. in, as you say, he's got a Lego figure. You know, right. my life is complete Crazy. now. Yeah. My character is a Lego. Right. I Because the original Expanded Universe action figure set, right, with like right. Mara and the Thrawn, and I think there was and a... Talon card was there, right, I think, yeah. yeah. And so you'll be seeing all those tomorrow at the book signing. Okay. I will be bringing all of those, so don't worry about that. I have Sharpies. <laughs> Perfect. So with the new canon, and you mentioned kind of his explosion onto the visual front, what was your involvement with Dave Filoni and the Rebels team kind of crafting the character for... A not, not very much, though. By the time they were able to tell me that Thrawn was going to be in Rebels, a lot of the production for season three had been finished already. The, the huge lead time in anything animated uh, from scripts and such. What we could do is since they wanted me to do a prequel novel, mm -hmm. they could give me access to the scripts mm -hmm. and I could see what they're doing and plant seeds and foreshadowing into the novel to make it connect with Rebels as seamlessly as possible. Right. So for example, there's a scene in Rebels where Thrawn is sparring with a couple of droids, stick right. fighting. Okay, I'll put a scene like that into uh, into the novel right. so you see that it, why he does and the physical exercise is important. Right. Um, in Rebels, you have Thrawn meeting with Governor Price right. and Tarkin and uh, Colonel Yularen. Right. None of those feel like a first meeting. Mm -hmm. So if that's not the first meeting they've met before, I can put those first meetings right. into the book as well. So to kind of, I get to, uh, you know, prequel that show with Thrawn Alliances, a new book which takes place essentially between seasons three and four, or early in season four when he's off camera. Uh, I knew a little bit about what's happening in season four and can add little bits and pieces into into the book. Wow. With you mentioned Price and you mentioned Yularen, with writing these characters that were based in Rebels, what was kind of the challenge there? Kind of making sure that those characteristics that you see on the TV played out in the book. Well, the great thing about Price was that um, they didn't really have a backstory to her. So once we decided Thrawn was going to be the parallel of his rise to power and Governor Price's rise to power, it was again a how do you think this should work? You know, run it by us. We'll do some tweaking and go from there. So I didn't have to fit into something they already had had to come up with. Uh, as to the others, you know, Tarkin is fairly well known. I've always liked Yularen from Clone Wars, and and really, an, another competent Imperial uh, who's not evil. You know, he's not just bumbling around. Yeah. No, he is. He's competent and he's a he's a loyal person. Um, Price is interesting because the way we got the backstory, mm -hmm. she was kind of pushed into what mm -hmm. happened. If they just left her alone, right. they would have been a lot happier. Right. Um, so it was, 
I had Yularen and, and Tarkin already in mind, price we got to build kind of from the ground up. Yeah. Uh, and the interactions, of course, are very different with, with all those characters in Thrawn. But they, I think they're satisfying interactions. This is how Thrawn would deal with these people. These are people who would understand Thrawn, right. as well as, of course, there are going to other, be other people who don't like him for whatever reason. He's not part of the upper elite. Uh, and of course, there are always people who are resentful of someone who's more competent than they are, and you get some of that in in the novel, uh, the first novel, and a little bit of it in uh, Thrawn Alliances as well. So before we jump into Thrawn Alliances, maybe we can talk a little bit about the challenges of writing Thrawn itself. I know in the first novel you kind of mentioned the price and Thrawn foil. You have Eli Vanta, right? You kind of have everything kind of working where Thrawn then is is put next to these characters and you can kind of observe him that way. Is there a way that you've approached it in Thrawn Alliances now where now that he's with Vader um, you're able to kind of showcase different traits of Thrawn that you might have not able to with Eli and Price? It's, it's very much the same character. I've, I've always written Thrawn the same way. People say what's it like you know, changing him. Well he's not really changed. You're just I'm writing him now in a different era, something I've never written him in before. So uh, it's just a matter of this is the same character, but the backdrop, the situation, the politics that he has to deal with are going to be different. Uh, Vader is a challenge because on the one hand, he's not sure he trusts Thrawn. On the other hand, the Emperor still has use for this guy. So he can't simply, if I don't like what he's doing, I'm not going to simply choke him. So Vader has this dichotomy as well. Uh, so it, it's it's interesting. Eli Vanter didn't didn't have a lot of trust, but he didn't have the same power right. that Vader does to simply you know snap somebody's neck if right. necessary. Um, so it was a different dynamic, but it is a lot of fun to put the two of them together because they each have their own strengths, mm-hmm. and putting them into a con you know a, a battle or something. Okay, what is Vader's going Vader going to be doing yeah. in this fight? What is Thrawn going to be doing? How do they interact to you know bootstrap off each other's abilities? Mm-hmm. And that makes for very interesting uh, combat, very interesting conversations as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's really a fan dream to see Vader and Thrawn next to each other working it out so I, I'm really excited I kind of I mentioned I was like I got the book on Friday mm-hmm. at the con and I kind of just wanted to stay in my hotel room <laughs> and just finish it so I'll try to finish it before tomorrow really I have a okay. plane ride so I can there I can go. I can hopefully get through it um, so let's go through Thrawn alliances I guess mm-hmm. the, the conceit of the novel is Thrawn and Vader working together but I think one of the exciting things is kind of the thing that was hinted at initially, which was Thrawn and Vader had met before. So yes. maybe talk about that a little bit. Well, one of the, the one of the things authors like to do is put in hooks into a book to try to get another book right. contract and such. That's you know, smart. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's called a career, you know. <laughs> um, so one of the, the hooks I put in Thrawn was that he had met Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Well, that's the book I wanted to do for Thrawn Alliances. Yeah. I wanted to do the Anakin Thrawn adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Del Rey and Lucasfilm were kind of looking at a Vader Thrawn thing, so we compromised and did both. Yeah. So we're doing Vader and Thrawn's adventure mission, mm-hmm. but we're also tag-teaming, we're doing parallel stories right. of Vader and Anakin. 
and Padme, because you can't write a good Anakin story no. if you don't bring in Padme. So let's talk about Padme for yes. a second, because that was a huge reveal a couple of weeks ago, and they're like, here's the exclusive poster from, I think, the Barnes & Noble edition, yes. and the excitement I saw across Star Wars internet was just palpable, really. And so talk about writing Padme a little bit, because really, including her into a Thrawn story, I would never have even thought about it, and mm -hmm. I think this is going to be a very exciting thing for fans. It was, it was a lot of fun. My, my original thought was that... Anakin's mission, the reason he's out at the edge of known space, right. was that Aunt, uh, that uh, Ahsoka had disappeared. Uh -huh. And I thought this would be kind of a driving thing. The problem was that Dave Filoni wasn't sure, he was still thinking of other things to do with Ahsoka. Right. So they said, well, you can't really use her because we don't know if Dave wants to fill in something here. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, she doesn't have to be on camera. I mean, she could just be the MacGuffin sort of thing. Right. Well, how about use Padme instead? Oh, I can use Padme? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, um, I've always thought Padme didn't get a lot to do in the prequels. Right, I But agree. the Clone Wars really gave her a lot more action, a lot more depth. Right. And this is the Padme I'm writing. This is the, this is the woman who can fire blasters, who can do physical stuff when necessary, but it can also be diplomatic yeah. and talk people into things uh, when she needs to. So she was very interesting to add into this whole mix because we're going in the then parts, the Clone Wars sections of the book. Mm -hmm. We have Anakin and we have Padme and running parallel stories until they connect up again right. in, in the book. They're running parallel uh, uh, adventures. So ideally I have managed to leave things in one era where you're wanting to know what goes next and then shifting to the other era and doing right. that same thing. Tol Tolkien taught me how to do that. Right. Drove me nuts when I was first was like, reading oh, Lord of the Rings. one book of just this, right? Yeah, right. okay, and now Frodo and Sam, I don't want to go back to Anna yeah. to uh, oh, Aragorn. Right now, what's going on, yeah. And then we get, oh, I don't want to leave these guys. We're back to Frodo and Sam. Ah. Yeah. So, yeah, Tolkien taught me how to really frustrate the audience yeah. and keep them reading, which is exactly what we want to do. That's great. Uh, very quickly, uh, the adventure, as far as I'm aware, you mentioned it at the outer edge of known space, but it's Batuu, which is the yes. Galaxy's Edge Disney Park. So yep. was there anything there that you kind of took inspiration from, or is there things that fans can see when they eventually go there? It was originally... Uh, suggested that I take part of the book on Batu. A lot of it happens elsewhere, but we wanted to at least touch on Batu. Yeah. They sent me some uh, sketches, artwork from the from the uh, development, mm -hmm. and a little bit of description of here are some of the shops that will be there. Now, these, this book takes place in a different era mm -hmm. than the Park one will. The Park one, I think, is set with with Ray and the First Order, right. so a generation later. So. A lot of these specifics, you know, if this store was a, I don't know, uh, sold stuffed animals, it does not have to be that way in the in mm -hmm. the actual park. But the shop itself would probably be about there. Right. So um, we, we touching on it a little bit, not going into too much detail. Right. I'm hoping to leverage a possibility in maybe a future book of doing more at Batu, and hoping to leverage that into getting a tour of the place. See, that would be nice. I would like that very much. Uh, yes. I was saying the I'm very concerned about the Galaxy's Edge Park because I'm worried mm -hmm. that if I go there, I will never want to leave because it's supposed to be like an immersive, like you stay in the hotel and you're always you're in Star yeah. Wars for three days. I'm like, that's a very 
frightening thing for me because I'm worried I won't be able to come back to the real world after that. <laughs> that, that does, it, it, my fear is that it's going to be crowded for the first 20 years right. and we can't get in. Right. I think they'll make they'll make an exception for Timothy Zahn. I don't know. We're we're hoping. Yeah, my do a editor, Jedi mind trick at the my editor has said she's going to start pulling whatever strings she can find. So, right. that's great. With San Diego Comic Con all around us right now, and this book tour coming up, what has it been like for you since *Heir to the Empire* and your introduction just to the Star Wars community? How has the fan community been? I mean, you're one of the most beloved members of that community and what's it like meeting the fans and getting to see all the cosplay of all your characters oh it's always delightful it's mm -hmm. always you know uh, humbling exhilarating um, because you know I, down deep I'm just me mm -hmm. you know and yet people treating me like a star and but I'm just me I'm okay. just a normal human being um, it, it's always it's it's great to meet the fans mm -hmm. it can be you know a long session can be tiring but right. You know the look in people's eyes, and and every convention I have at least one of the. This book helped me through a really rough patch in my life, right. or this was the first book I read for fun and I discovered reading was fun, right. or this book helped me through my deployment, and those are just the above and beyond. You know, right. I'm writing stories. I'm writing entertainment. Yeah. Those things are things you, you don't anticipate. I mean. That, that's something far beyond what I put into it. That's the interaction between the writer and the reader. Right. And that is just a, just a humbling experience that I had that effect on people. And I am just so very pleased that something I did had that much impact. Before we go, you've written so many books. You've gone to the prequel era, even the outbound flight, you had done that in the past. Mm -hmm. Are there any characters or storylines that you haven't gotten to work with or that you would like to reintroduce to canon? I know uh, Brooke was reintroduced into Rebels, yes. which is awesome. Uh, was there anyone that you would like to see or anyone that you haven't worked? Well, of my characters, I would certainly like to bring Mara Jade back into right. canon. If if there was a spot for her, a re, you know, an organic right. spot, I don't want to just do shoehorn somebody right. in or have them walk in the background or something. If there's a generic or an organic thing that she really would fit into a story, I have promised people I will pitch it to story group right. and then it's their decision whether right. to allow it or not. The other two stories I would like to tell uh, whenever interest in Thrawn wanes, you know, if it ever does, it will never, but would be yeah. Boba Fett's return from Cloud City mm. to Jabba's palace with every other bounty hunter in the sector trying to steal his prize and take oh, wow. it to Jabba himself. The other story, I've always assumed that when Obi-Wan dropped off Luke yeah. on Tatooine, he went off halfway across the Empire and made an extremely loud nuisance of himself to draw attention that direction. I would really like to do a story of Obi-Wan making a loud nuisance of himself because I think he could do a really good job of, of making well, noise. Well, you can't see it because this is a audio podcast, but I literally, uh, like I'm freaking <laughs> out right now, those are both would be incredible. Uh, like, that would be the perfect plot for a Kenobi movie, even. That would, yeah. be, that would be a great visual Oh, absolutely. Thing to do. Yeah, lots of action. Yeah. The underlying, I'm doing this for a reason. If my life is sacrificed, that's what I do. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got a depth of character as well as, and of course, at that point, he could run into rogue Jedi who are running from Order 66. Right. You could do this as a TV show, too. Yeah. All right, pitch it. We're ready. <laughs> I'm, I will be the first in line. So, wrapping up, this is promoting 
tomorrow's appearance at Interabang Books. I'm going to yes. literally leave here and we're going to go edit it and put it up in the next two hours. And so okay. what else, where else can fans meet you over the next little part of this book tour? What? I'm uh, doing Dallas on Monday, Denver Tuesday, Salt Lake City on Wednesday, and Portland on Thursday. So not you don't have a, a, a slow week this week. That's no, this this week is going to be pretty pretty hectic. Yeah. Yes. I my Facebook page in the notes section there is a listing of websites and everything for uh, the listing of these right. bookstores and such and uh, links to them. So I know uh, Denver is a tattered, tattered page, tattered page. I don't remember the Salt Lake. The Portland is Powell's at Cedar Hills Crossing. But uh, yeah, my my web page, my uh, Facebook page has all that listed. We'll make sure to link to that in the description of the episode. Good, just so that fans can get to it. And I know, at least for Dallas fans, this is going to be a great thing because I, I've lived in Dallas my entire life, and then I was gone for college for a little bit and I've never you've made appearances in Dallas yeah a few times it not recently really as far as I can remember I think the last time I was able to get a book was allegiances and I had I had borders it was borders at the time that's Mm -hmm. and I had them like leave a book for me because I was able to make the appearance Um, and so this is going to be a huge huge treat for the Dallas fans and so um, with that uh, we'll leave the episode Mr. Zahn thank you so much for taking the time this was Again, a huge honor, a huge thrill. No for problem. Me. So, Thanks for having me on. Of course. And we'll see you tomorrow at Interbank Books in Dallas, Texas. So. Sounds great. See you there. Thank you again to Mr. Zahn for taking the time out of his very busy Comic-Con schedule to join us today. And a very special thanks to Tom at Interabang Books and David at Random House, who made this possible. For appearance information, as discussed in this episode, go to the notes section on Mr. Zahn's Facebook page, facebook.com slash timothyzahn, and make sure to pick up Theron Alliances out everywhere this Tuesday, July 24th. We'll see you all tomorrow at Interabang for Mr. Zahn's appearance at 7pm. But until then, stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the force be with you.